Hello and welcome to episode 141 of the Bronx Beat Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Fagan. Tonight, I'm joined by Jim Carruthers. EJ. And Dr. Paul Semendinger. EJ and Jim, how you guys doing? I am doing great, guys. This is a, I, I am in the middle of the NHL playoffs right now, so like I'm only half paying attention to the Yankees, and they only played like two games in the last week. Uh, so what's going on? Do we have, Are the Yankees looking good? No. We've had better weeks. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's I mean, it's nuts. I mean, right. We had an off day today and then the Saturday and Sunday games got rained out. Um, you know, this has been a, a pretty, pretty quiet week. And I think it, it seems like it's come at a good time. The Yankees aren't aren't that beat up, but they're they're kind of beat up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're beat up. They're not they're not executing well and um, they're not they're not hitting timely. So it's kind of a it's a good time to have a couple of days off to think about what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think that uh, the biggest news is that they get to that CC Sabathia gets to essentially come in on his turns. They don't need to have like some rando. They don't have to call up Chance Adams. They don't have to have Luis Sessa, even though he's now injured. Start. Um, you know, they can. You know, they they can essentially they essentially skipped Sabathia once from the DL, and now he gets back in back into the rotation. Exactly. He goes tomorrow, and uh, you have to hope that he's got that hip problem behind him. I mean, it looked like he did when he ran out for the uh, fight couple uh, about a week ago. <laughs> so he got, he got fined for, for running out for the fight, I, I, I saw. But the fight happened since we last. Okay, well, that happened. That's a thing. Uh, so favorite moment of the, of the brawl? Oh, I mean, I think, you know, so me being a, a former collegiate rugby player, um, what – Stanton and Judge did uh, <laughs> is for is the technical term for that is a a mall, and um, they won the mall. So they, I, I, just, I love how they just push them back to the to the dugout, right? Like, oh no, you're not. You can't stay in the field anymore. We're just gonna. We're this mob is going our way. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it was they weren't even trying. There was no violence in those movements at all, and they moved the entire team back to their dugout. Yeah, well, and Aaron Judge, while doing it, had Joe Kelly in a headlock. Uh, so, I I think that uh, the the best part about the the Yankees right now is that our best players are six six or above, uh, and so when Mookie Betts wants to start a fight, we win the fight, right? Um, yes. I, I also have to say I'm I'm happy about the state of the rivalry right now because there there were a couple of years where you either had like a mismatch between the teams or like everybody on the team was nice. Um, so, you know, like Dustin Pedroia and David Ortiz are, are nice guys and, you know, you're not, they're not really going to go out there and, and kind of cause trouble. But like both teams now have a couple of assholes who, yeah. you know, who will, who will, who will be Roger Clemens, you know, in 2003 or Pedro. Yeah. That was kind of a dorky thing to get in a, to, to clear the benches on twice though. I mean, like it, Joe Kelly, you got to hit him on the first one. You can't throw at him twice and to throw up high on the second one um i think that was just kind of out of bounds for for what austin did i mean i don't know yeah he clipped his back foot like i I don't know what he was supposed to do is he supposed to get down on one knee and beg for forgiveness after doing that i I don't know i thought that was kind of a silly thing but it was nice to see the passion um that that ensued afterwards but i just thought they the red sox do this they kind of make stuff out of out of nothing and then they they're going to hold on to this for the rest of the year Austin will probably get thrown at again. So yeah, probably, you know, uh, uh, Brock Holt even said I didn't think it was intentional. I think he was going in hard, and I'm not going to turn a double play on that play, especially with Wade running. Oh, so, yeah. so what's the big deal? Yeah, I, 
I looked at that slide and it just it didn't seem like a big deal to me at all. I mean, it was it was a clean slide that that caught him, right? That's it. That happens all the time. I mean, if, if Tyler Austin wasn't a rookie, I don't think that that there's even a second thought there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but they're and, gonna do they're gonna do what they did last year with the Orioles. I get you know last year they threw at Machado every chance they got, and it'll be the same thing this year because I, I this it's fun seeing them be hypersensitive. Um, it's just I hope no one gets hurt on our side uh, as a result of it. Well, that's always the big worry. What I did also like was when Brock Holt said. Um, uh, we're not trying to fight those guys over there. They're big. <laughs> yeah, they're properly big. Yeah, Joe Kelly didn't didn't look good after that fight. I'll say that. Uh, uh, so yeah, that that was exciting. Uh, it happened now six days ago, and so I, I don't want to get too much in, into it. Uh, if, if a fight happens like Monday or Tuesday, then we'll then we'll do the play by play. But other things have happened since. Uh, as is usual, we have two more injuries to report on. Uh, we have uh, an injury to Tommy Conley, uh, his, uh, some shoulder tendonitis. They're hoping that a quick trip to the DL, which is backdated a little bit, will, uh, will help him clear up that shoulder tendonitis. And hopefully that's an explanation for his poor play so far. Uh, Conley, I think he's had some velocity drop and he's had poor control to, to begin the season. And then Luis Sessa is on the DL because, you know, uh, we'll miss him. I mean, uh, does that hurt for you, EJ? I'm just curious. Are you all right? I, I, so... I don't want to accuse players of anything, but there's a lot of players who come up, hit the DL, and end up like who shouldn't be in a major league roster and end up being on a major league roster for a long time. That's just my. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't. I mean, I, I have no idea what's going on with Sessa. I'm sure. I'm sure it's it's a real thing. That's just my 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 little my little shtick right there. We won't miss him. Maybe he clears the way for a chance Adam start. I would love that, um, or a Domingo Herman uh, start, which I would also tough. love. Yeah, those would be those would be fun. Yeah, chat. Okay, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I the more I think about Chance Adams, and so little has changed since he, since six months ago, the more I think he's not very good. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. yeah I have yeah, to say when yeah I'm sorry whenever I, I see the pitch yeah he I, I he just doesn't impress me. He doesn't even seem to have good form. And, and, and I know the results are there with the statistics, and he always seems to have a great record. And, and But maybe somehow that's not really who he is. He just doesn't impress me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, we watched him in spring training um, a fair amount, and his stuff, he throws out on a low plane. And I know that you know a lot of scouts thought he was a reliever because his motion looks a little complicated. And I, would, I tend to agree. There's a lot of like you know, elbows and arms going around. And he doesn't throw hard enough um, for the amount of movement that he gets. And there's not much separation between his breaking stuff and his fastball. His, the games I saw him, he was all 90 to 93. And um, I thought he threw harder than that, um, you know, from, from reading, you know, where he was last year. Uh, I'm not huge on Chance Adams. I'm much bigger on Domingo Herman. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. I mean, you know, Herman has, has been just as good at AAA, and I think that the, the – the peripheral statistics are better, first off. Um, the ERA and kind of hits per nine is better for Chance Adams. Uh, but he appears to have better stuff, and you know the Yankees seem to have a little bit more faith in him than him. They're not, not as much faith as I would like. Uh, but there's a much more interesting major league player we need to talk about, or, or, or a future major league player we need to talk about, and uh, that is Glaber Torres. So they had a little bit of a scare with Torres. He he uh, he missed a couple of games with some, some minor back issues. He came back tonight. He went one, th- one, one for three with a double. 
he is batting, I think, 350 with a like a 550 slugging percentage or something like that at AAA right now. I want to ask you guys, why should Glaber Torres be in the majors? I believe tomorrow is the day they can call him up and re- regain their year of control, their, their time of control because of the off days. So should they bring him up tomorrow? Jim? You know, I, I would actually, I, I'd prefer to, to give him more time. I, I mean, they just, I, I also think, you know, they just announced that they signed Adam Lind. Um, I, I think that plays into this as well. Um, but I, I would prefer to see him, you know, get another, get, get a solid month in. You know, second base is killing us right now. Um, but I also think that, you know, Drury had some positive news, at least last week. It, it seems like they were converging on a diagnosis. Um, and I think that they're probably imagining a world where they could put Drury at second, Andrew Hall at third, um, now that Andrew Hall started to pick it up a little bit, although not defensively. And I, I think they probably want to, if I was them, I would want to go with that approach and just get Torres, uh, you know, one month under his belt where he's full healthy without an incident and just and, and let him come up um, after he's had to make some adjustments at AAA. That, that would be what I would do. Paul, what do you think? Well, you know what? I, I think everybody looks at him and says, when we bring up Glaber Torres, it's going to be like when they brought up Robbie Cano, and that's going to give the team the spark. But I'm going to have to agree with Jim. I, I want him to spend a little more time. You know, he's off to a great, super, he's hot, a nice hot start. But, you know, he is only 21. He has only played how many games at AAA over, over the last two years? What, he had 23 last year, and he has 12 this year. So he hasn't even played 50 games down there yet at AAA. I'd like him to make sure, I'd like the Yankees to make sure that he's absolutely ready so when they bring him up, they bring him up and he doesn't become a guy that goes up and down and up and down. Yeah, I kind of agree with you guys. I'm thinking about Addison Russell right now, a guy who kind of had a very similar profile to Torres, a little more power, a little less bat, um, but what came up with lots of flaws, but you know, the, the assumption was that he could help the team now and he he was pretty... Um, you know, he was pretty talented, and so you know th- they'll take it. And he never really corrected those flaws. Maybe he wouldn't have corrected them at AAA. Like I think you can learn in the majors, uh, but I think there is something to him getting just a little bit better at AAA. And specifically, I'm looking at his strikeout rate. Glaber Torres is striking out a lot at AAA. He did a lot in his brief stint last year, and that's after being like especially at AA a real contact hitter. Um, and you know I think that is uh, that's if he's going to be successful, he. One of the things he's going to be successful at is, is is hitting for a lot of contact and getting his strikeout rate back down to that like fifteen to eighteen percent range. Um, whereas you know I'm, I'm actually going to correct myself. So last year he had a twenty seven percent strikeout rate, and over the last few games I guess he's improved it because he's now at eighteen percent on the year Triple A. So I guess actually <laughs> I guess maybe I'm now leaning toward calling him up <laughs> after looking at his Fangraphs page for a second. Um, but I'm amenable to that. I think. We're thinking about him as a second baseman right now because the Tyler Wade slash um, Neil Walker combo isn't looking great right now. Then neither are performing particularly well. But he's been playing third base almost exclusively for the last couple of weeks at AAA. They started him at splitting between short and second. And at some point they made the decision, you're probably near term going to be a third baseman. Um, because we have problems at third base. But I think Andujar has been the best of that group. Oh, yeah. Um, I, so I've got his stat cast numbers up right now. Andujar has had a 343 X Wobo, which is above average. I mean, he has the, the results haven't been there yet, but it's early. You know, I, I, he's making good contact. Eventually, some of those balls are going, going to fall in. 
I totally agree with that. And the most important thing for me and Andrew Hart, like his his bat speed is awesome. Um, the most important thing for me is that he's not swinging at bad pitches, and his K rate is only fourteen percent. So he'd be, you know, he, if you compare that to other third basemen, um, you know, he'd be he'd be in the top five, top ten range uh, with that strikeout rate, and um, that that tells me that you know. The athleticism and the hits will come, and they didn't do him any favors. He comes up, he gets the starting position, and within his first ten games, he has to go up to play Fenway, and and, and you know go see Chris Sale and um, and their bullpen. I mean, it, and also that pressure cooker. So I'd like to see him go through a series or two against like the AL Central, um, and, and pad those numbers up and, and normalize where it, it, to before he can make a judgment on what he's going to be. But the strikeout rate is promising to me. And it's a couple of weeks. I don't think Labor Torres is going to be so good that a couple of weeks will really impact the, the Yankee season that much. Um, and and you know maybe maybe that's all he needs to kind of get into shape um, or to to be kind of to be good enough right there. Well, let me, um, I've let got me throw this out at you. Sure. Um, one of the criticisms of this Yankee team is that they strike out all the time, right? Every everybody, you know, the the big three, uh, Stanton and Judge and uh, Sanchez, there seems to be striking out all the time, and which which fans are getting frustrated with watching all the strikeouts. So if you bring up Glaber Torres and he's still having trouble making contact, I, I just think that you're putting him into a situation where he's immediately going to be like another guy who all he does is strike out, rather than letting him get, you know. Uh, get those uh, little other uh, things uh, fixed by making better contact in the minors and being truly ready when they bring them up. And what, yeah, I agree with you. What's three more weeks? So I, I just got another weird question for you guys. So the Atlanta Braves just signed Jose Bautista. And they said he's going to play third base. <laughs> <laughs> Should the Yankees have done that? I, I, don't, I don't really think that they have a third base problem. I mean, I think Andrew Hart went through some growing pains, but you know, with the exception of D.D. Gregorius, everybody in the infield is going through growing pains, even Neil Walker. And um, I, I like Andujar's upside. And I, I, he's definitely a better fielder than, than Jose Batista. And um, I think he'll end up hitting for a higher average. I would, I would take that bet that Andujar ends up, you know, having a higher OPS than, than Batista this year. And, and Andujar's got a future, and, and yeah. Batista doesn't. And you're looking at the guy who you're hoping is going to be a Yankee third baseman for the next period of years going forward so no i would not have done that yeah i mean from in my mind like bautista was really bad last year uh but there's there's like some upside there in my mind I, like i would have gone for the minor league contract and then kind of seen how he looks but um i mean maybe the the braves kind of promised him a spot um or, or a, a better a better shot at a spot on their on their major league roster uh, but let's move on um it's been about what three weeks into the season most of the the yankees yankee hitters have about you know a decent number of plate appearances, and what I want to talk about is who's doing well, who's doing poorly, and what does that mean. So I've sent you guys uh, the Statcast leaderboards. So these are on the Baseball Savant site, and we've just sorted this by xwoba, right? So that's their their predictive statistic that essentially measures quality of contact plus strikeouts and walks, and. Uh, there's a lot of players that are really kind of in interesting places on this leaderboard. And I think it tells us a lot more than their actual performance so far, because we have such a small sample that, you know, the, the, there's so much luck that could, could really sway uh, some of these players' actual performances. So I want to start on the hitting side. And 
the hitting side is not very pretty right now. And there's a lot of players who aren't, who've had really terrible seasons. Tommy Conley, who we mentioned already, might be injured. Dylan Batances, who has a 391 XWOBA, which is really good, means every batter against him is essentially elite. Sonny Gray has been below average. Masahiro Tanaka has been below average. Um, and, you know, there, there are some success stories, but they're not nearly as good, right? So Robertson, Green, Rawls, Chapman have been fine. Luis Severino has been great. Didn't, you didn't really need the, the stack cast to tell you that. Um, so I want to ask you guys, kind of, who, who stands out on, on this list of pitchers as kind of having a surprisingly good or bad season? Uh, Paul, why don't you go first? Well, the, the guy I'm disappointed in to start is uh, Sonny Gray. You know, we keep saying, and when the Yankees got him, he was supposed to be the guy that's going to do it. Now, I just heard yesterday that he's been working with the pitching coach and he's going to pitch, I don't know, standing up or grown up or something like that. And he hasn't been pitching. I forget what the words were, but it was something I never heard before. And that's supposedly going to make all the difference. I start to get worried when you have a guy who's supposed to have all-star stuff and all of a sudden we've re- we're redesigning him and telling him that now he's going to learn how to pitch. He, he should not have pitch, and he's supposed to be a good pitcher. And he, he's been, you know, knocked around all over the place. And he, none of these guys have gone deep into games, which is troubling. Yeah, and spring training was like four weeks ago. That was the time to change your delivery, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, it seems a little early in the season to be ditching the plan you, you put out for yourself. Um, all right, uh, Jim, give me one. I, I, I'm really disappointed and worried in Tanaka. Um, you know, I was, I was breaking down some of his stack-cast numbers on spin rate and velocity. Um, his spin rate's down about 5% on his slider, and his velocity's down about 2 miles an hour um, from last year. Um, watching some of these games where he's getting pounded, you know, team, teams are, are, you know, his fastball's never intimidated anyone, um, and his slider keeps people off his split. And um, when, when he leaves that pitch in the center of the plate, people just aren't missing it. And I, I, it, it clearly, it was always kind of an average pitch, um, before, but it seems to me to have digressed. His approach seems fine, but the stuff is not nearly as electric um, uh, as you would hope for, you know, a number two, number three starter. So I, I think it's supported by his ex woba numbers because everything gets pounded. When, it, when he puts it over the plate, it gets pounded. Now, Jim, we talked before the show about you potentially sciencing a little bit of, of Masahiro Tanaka. Do you, do you have those numbers up? I, I wasn't able to, to uh. break them apart, but, um, you know, if you look at them, uh, year on year that the, the, there is a clear decline um, I, I want to go a little deeper on this at some point because it does seem like the, the pitchers who um, I, I pulled it up for Batances as well spin rates and velocities for, for those two pitchers for Tanaka and Batances um, are both down um, so can you can you hold on can you tell me again why I should care about spin rate well so it, it's it's deception um, you know it, it, it this the heart of the spin rate, the, you know, Chad Green's fastball, which is filthy, um, has an extremely high spin rate. So pitcher, uh, hitters have a hard time understanding what it is, and then it also leads into movement. Um, and yeah, so so a, a fastball with no spin is essentially a straight fastball on a minus gravity. Correct. Yeah, and and people have a hard time picking up um, and, and and identifying the difference between a fastball and a slider if the spin rate is very high. Um, as well, and, and that's the that's that late life move. You know, late life is that late movement, and then also it's they can't read the seams as well. Um, um, yeah, I'm also a little bit concerned about Tanaka. Um, you know, he actually he had a really good first two starts to the season, and the last two starts have just been just been horrible. Um, you know, he still allowed some home runs in those starts, which is a little bit concerning. But the guy, you know, had great control, was striking guys out, 
And these last two starts, um, you know, now they've been against – one was against Boston, which I can kind of forgive. But Miami's not a good team. That was, that was, not, a, that was, that was not a team that you expect someone like Masahiro Tanaka to fail against. Yeah, and also he's giving up bombs. He's giving up a home run in every single start, and um, you can't you can't do that if you're going to be a middle of the rotation, top of the rotation type uh, type starter. Um, yeah, so we're going to keep an eye on Tanaka. I mean, luckily it's only been four starts, so hopefully that gets better. The weather has been kind of the culprit everybody's blaming, and I could see the weather doing weird things to some pitchers. Uh, for example, I could see the weather doing weird things to uh, CC Sabathia because he's kind of old. Um, so, you know, I think everybody gets a little bit of a pass for now, but I, I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye on that. Tune into a later podcast. Hopefully we will have some, re- some, some, some kind of some real science. We're going to do an analysis of variants, hopefully, on, uh, on Tanaka, which will make great audio. Uh, <laughs> so I want to I want I'm looking at this list and I actually I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say Araldus Chapman looks like a goddamn beast. Right. He's got oh, a 192 yeah. oh. ex-Woba. He he has given up a few runs, but like the, he hasn't looked bad when he's given up those runs, and he isn't even really at his peak velocity yet. He's a guy who, when he warms up, like once he gets up to midseason and he gets up to one one hundred three, one hundred four, I mean, this X wobble of one ninety two could be high. Um, I I think I think Chapman is on is, is on his game, and you know we at the very least with all of our bullpen struggles, we got the guy at the back end who who can nail it down. He's also been a lot more aggressive, especially after he got that first week out of the way. Um, you know, he, he was nibbling a bit in the first week, and he's really going after hitters right now. He's not afraid to go, you know, on the side thirds of the plate um, and just attack rather than put people on. He has 14 strikeouts in I was seven just innings. I going to say that. 14 strikeouts in seven innings. That's awesome. That's nuts. And his control is still good, and I, I think his, he has a FIP of negative 0.9, uh, <laughs> which <laughs> – Scott once saw a negative FIP and asked me, like, how the hell did that happen? And I, my, my, uh, I gave him a very nerdy argument about using the wrong estimator, which I will spare you guys right now. Uh, it's a good thing. Negative FIPs are a good thing for, for your pitcher. That's a unicorn. All right. It's a unicorn. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, I, uh, I, let's talk about some, hit, some hitters. So this hitter list, I think, is very interesting. Uh, so I forget who went first there. So, Paul, why don't you give me a, uh, give me a hitter that stands out here to you? Oh, <laughs> you want good or bad? Either way, what do you, what, what do you, what's surprising on this list? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with Aaron Judge, who's actually doing unbelievably well. And he's better than last year. What the yes, heck? It's unbelievable. <laughs> he's, he's, and he's just not, he hasn't hit a whole lot of home runs, but but he's on base every game. He's putting the bat on the ball. Every, pit, every at-bat's a 3-2 count. If they're talking about speeding up the game, what they ought to do is they just ought to, when he comes up, just say it's a 3-2 count. And then just let the next pitch count. That that would that would save a whole lot of time. They'll probably say fifteen minutes a game. But he has really looked good. I've, and and especially with the fact that Stanton's not doing anything behind him, uh, I think speaks volumes for what Aaron Judge is and will be as a baseball player. Well, let's talk about let's let's talk about that lineup for a second because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter making the argument that the Yankees should switch John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge in the lineup. Mm. Uh, what do you guys think about that? No chance. I, I, it's a dumb idea, I think, personally. Yeah, no, no, it's awful. I mean, I, I didn't like the idea of Stanton being behind Judge anyway. Um, I, I thought that Didi should have been three and Sanchez should have been four and Stanton five um, from the beginning. And, and that's what I think that the way that they solved this. But put it, moving Stanton up in the order, there's no chance. I mean, it, it's just going to make Aaron Judge bat with one out, you know, to start the game. Or two outs. Or two outs, yeah. <laughs> 
All right, I'll, I'll ask you another question. In a fairly, in a pretty limited sample, he's only he hasn't had he's only had twenty two balls in play and, and more play appearances than that. Aaron Hicks has a four sixty six x woba. Uh, yeah, uh, Aaron Hicks has been a been a god when he's been on the field. Should he be batting first right now every game? Oh, my dream Yankee lineup as and and I don't think anybody would agree with me, but my dream Yankee lineup is Gardner Hicks and then Judge. Oh. Gardner Hicks, yeah, I, that, that's another option. That's interesting. Um, are you disturbed by Brett Gardner's two ninety seven ex woba at this point in the season? I'm, I'm concerned that Brett Gardner might not be the player he. he I don't think he ever will be the player yeah. he was last year. Um, but he's working a lot of counts. He's he's walked twelve times already. Um, you know, and it, it, no, I'm I'm not concerned about Brett Gardner. I'm I'm happy with him as a leadoff guy. I, I think he needs to be managed and, and unfortunately because of injuries they haven't been able to do this but you need to treat he needs to play you know you, like like gary sanchez he needs four to five starts a week tops um and unfortunately they asked him to play a bunch of center field when hicks was down um and i think he, he looked promising it's um at times but you know when he, yeah he's not the same player and and he can't get as many reps as he used to and you know be expected to still hit with power um and speed. So I'd, I'd give him fewer reps, give him a couple of days off here and there um, and, and let the other, you know, the other three studs in the outfield play um, on, on his off days. I mean, I think, I think he, you know, the, the default arrangement, you know, when everything else is fine has been Gardner in left field and John Carlos Stanton at DH. And I wonder if you want to consider making uh, Brett Gardner, the DH yeah. more often, right? I mean, he, he's old. He needs, he needs the, 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 uh, he needs the rest. I also wonder when the cliff is going to come. At some point, Brett Gardner is going to stop going to stop being the player he's been for the last three or four years, and he doesn't have a lot of room to fall. I mean, he's had his his on base percentages have not are not as high as they were in his early career, and he makes up for it with power. And I don't think Brett Gardner is a power hitter, and so you know if those skills erode just a little bit, all of a sudden he looks like a below average hitter. Now the Yankees don't have a lot of options at this point. Uh, to, to replace him. But, you know, Clint Frazier is eventually going to be able to come back and he will be an option soon. And Jacoby Ellsbury might be better than what Brett Gardner's shown so far. And I, you know, he's got time to correct that and it's early and there's no reason to be over overreacting. But it's definitely something that I think we'll be keeping an eye on on the podcast. I have to be honest, DJ, when we started this, I, I did not think I was going to hear that Jacoby Ellsbury might be better than Brett Gardner. I'm a little bit I think I just got heartburn from you saying. That. <laughs> yeah, well, two ninety-seven x twelve, but the data does not lie. Um, but, but wait a minute, that, what's 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 uh, Jacoby Ellsbury's uh, stati- statistics? Uh, zero. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I think he just gets hurt being hurt. Who has more? Who has more? Uh, who's leading in these two categories? Home runs or injuries? Brett Gardner or Jacoby Ellsbury? <laughs> Brett Gardner home runs versus Jacoby Ellsbury injuries. Uh, Ellsbury injuries. Yeah, it's got to be right. Uh, Ellsbury's got at least he's got like Three. six injuries at the moment. Plantar yeah. fasciitis, and actually, you know, people weren't very concerned in the news about the Yankees. Didn't seem very concerned about Gardner's plantar fasciitis. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. But that could, that could really hobble a guy who has to run for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's what that's what really destroyed our pools' uh, ability to field and, and run. So that's yeah, just something to keep an seriously. eye on. Yeah, um, and the Yankees actually at this point might need Jacoby Ellsbury. Um, so that that's a great thought. That's scary. Um, Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up I'm gonna do my mea culpa. It's my mea culpa time. 
I'm going to say that D.D. Gregorius has an ex-Woba of 401. And this is like the third straight week I've said I was wrong about D.D. Gregorius, and I'm continue, going to continue to say I was wrong about D.D. Gregorius. Last year, he had a 287 ex-Woba. He was bad last year. I get it that the top-line numbers were good. I get it that he hit some big home runs. I get it that he's a great fielder. He was a bad hitter last year, and he got lucky, and it made him look like a good hitter. But somehow, he just stopped striking out. He has a 4.5% strikeout rate right now and a 12% walk rate, and he's hitting home runs. And I don't know. Like, he's not that old. Maybe he just – maybe he found what the player he's going to be for the rest of his career. Um, I think it's a breakout season for Didi Gregorius. Nice. Can we say yeah. definitive? I mean, the best thing I can say about Didi Gregorius is that he has gotten better every single year uh, with the Yanks. Like every year, he's gotten you know from from year one to year two, he got much more consistent fielding. Two to three hit, you know, the the, the top line numbers were better. He's improved all the time, and he, he's still very young. It's not like he's in the twilight; he's entering the prime. He already has half as many wins as he earned his entire first season with the Yankees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. I, I mean, it's and and he, and that's not it's not luck. Like he is he has a I said four and a half a six percent strikeout rate and God I haven't looked at this for a couple of days a twenty percent walk rate. But those are supposed to be reversed. Those were reversed last year. <laughs> so yeah, he's awesome and uh, and I'm enjoying every second of it and I hope he continues to lead the league and wins above replacement. Yeah, um, even if that means Aaron Judge doesn't lead the league. Um, Can we give a quick shout-out on this list to Tyler Austin? Let's give a quick shout-out to Tyler Austin. Oh, my gosh. He is uh, – so for him to be in the middle of the list, and I banged on him pretty hard when, when they were you know tying their horse to him um, you know after uh, Bird went down. He's hitting 260-plus. You know, he's, he's kind of you know, in the kind of an average first baseman right now. But if that's what you – know, if you told any of us that that's what we were going to get out of Tyler Austin – the fact that, um, you know, when, when Bird went down, we'd all sign up for it. And uh, here he is sitting right in the middle of our ex-Woba list at, uh, what is he, three, 355. I mean, good Lord. That's, that, that is a – he is playing above what I thought he would be. Um, and he's, he's really helped us, you know, get through this Greg Bird time uh, pretty gracefully. I mean, he's making an argument to stick around after Greg Bird comes back. Yeah. And uh, and this is about as good as we can hope Greg Bird would be. I mean, he's Austin slugging 500. Oh, yeah. He's got an on-base percentage of 350. I mean, and, and none of that's luck. He's got a 140 WRC+. plus. Again, he's got the great ex-Woba. I think Tyler Austin's here to stay. And you know something? We There was a prospect fatigue about Tyler Austin, like a severe prospect fatigue, because mm-hmm. the guy was injured a bunch. And maybe he's still injury-prone. But he never stopped hitting, or rather he started hitting again a couple of years ago and hasn't stopped since. And, I mean, I've been covering Tyler Austin for seven years now, I think, blogging in various places. And, you know, it, that, that, that would kill anybody. That, that made me disinterested, and I, I, I try to actively, you know, for, you know uh, prevent prospect fatigue. This could just be the player he is. I would take it. The only thing that worries me about him is his K rate is a little high. But it was high in the minors. Um, it was high, so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's consistent. I mean, I love that he hits the ball hard when he makes contact. Um, and, and you know what? It, to have an ex-Wobo of 350, and if he's your 7 through 9 hitter, then you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, I think that you know, the, 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 the platoon advantage starts to become a big deal, right? He had a heavy platoon split in the minors. So far this season, uh, he's batted much better against lefties than he has against righties. As I'm stalling right now, he's got a 182 
WRC plus against uh, that's home against lefties. Okay, the, the, he's got a uh, a one. Actually, not much, that much of a platoon split this year. I guess I'm wrong about that. Um, but he has a uh, in the Myers he had a pretty strong platoon split. I think that becomes an option. Um, and somebody is calling. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, everybody. We uh, uh, <laughs> we record in the real world. All right. Uh, last but not least, uh, let's talk a little bit about. Let's go to Neil Walker. Oh. Is Neil Walker bad? No. <laughs> what does the data say? <laughs> the data says that he's bad. <laughs> 282 X Woba has been kind of bouncing around positions. The Yankees have tried to like lead him off at times, which is a little weird, but he's get, he gets regular playing time. Uh, is this why he, the Yankee, he was available in like late March? I don't believe so. I think I think you look on the back of the baseball card with a guy like Neil Walker. You know, you know what we do as as fans and as bloggers and as commentators on, on podcasts is 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 sometimes we we talk out of both sides of our mouth, and we're all guilty of this. You know, the Yankees. I'm worried about them. They're eight and eight. They don't look good. Wow, it's an early season, small sample size. Neil Walker's hitting 173. Ah, he stinks. <laughs> John Carlos Stanton's hitting 197. He'll come around. Small sample size. You know, it's, we, we, we have to look at Neil Walker over the long term, and, and I think he's going to hit. He'll, he's always hit. I mean, let me, let me say something about that. So the uh, one of my favorite books uh, about psychology that I've read has been by Michael Lewis. It's called The Undoing Project. And he, he, is, he is essentially summarizing the work and the life story of two psychologists, uh, Kahneman and Tversky. And the two of them made a career out of the beginning of their career was was made out of proving that people are so bad at following basic rational statistical assumptions that you can fool even statistics professors with simple simple mind like thought experiments. Um, so there's a there's the gambler's fallacy that that you might that some people might be familiar with that if you if you have a, an honest coin and you flip it and you get three heads in a row, um, people are more likely to say say that the next one will be tails because tails hasn't come up yet and they're due for tails and this comes up all the times in time in sports it comes up all over the place and they basically asked the gambler's fallacy a little bit dressed up to a large sample of statistics professors. And they got it wrong. Uh, and so I think what Paul said is is very, very true, that we are all overreacting to small sample sizes and information, and we should all take this with a grain of salt. That said, I'm still worried about it. <laughs> well, you know what's, what, what's alarming? So the numbers overall are bad. And when they signed him, he was supposed to be uh, to help balance out our lineup as a lefty, as a lefty bat. And what's alarming to me is that he's just he's not hitting right-handed pitching right now. He's, he came into this, you know, you're, he's a 270 hitter against righties um, over his career, and this year he's on the interstate. He's batting uh, was it 140? I don't remember right here. 158 against righties, um, and that's just that he, he had like one job when he came onto this team to be the lefty bat, the lefty veteran, give us you know 250. The 270 against right-handed pitchers because that's the, this team's vulnerability, and he's been, you know, complete inverse of that. He's he's got a reverse platoon compared to his career, so um, that's what's alarming to me. And because he's actually had a number of starts, he's 12 games now against righties, um, and he's if you're worried about Giancarlo, you really have to be worried about Neil Walker. 
All right. Well, that's a that's a good last word to end on. You guys, thank you very much for joining me. Everybody, this has been your Bronx Beat Podcast. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.